Okay, start off with the... Uh, well, this isn't the done appeal verdict strictly. This is the written reasons published for the verdict into Robbie Dunn's appeal against um, the charges brought against him and the suspension given to him, which was reduced by um, 40-odd percent from yeah. uh, 18 to months down to 10, 10 yeah. months. And the reasons came out this week. They, take, they took a while to come along. That is sometimes the case. Um, the, the reasons um, expanded on that verdict. The, the main thrust seemed to be that because the panel felt that much of what took place in the interaction between Robbie Dunn and Bryony Frost was behind closed doors, if you like, and mm. not in the public gaze, mm. that that was one reason why they felt the, the reduction was merited. And they also referenced, again, um, mitigation that Robbie Dunn, uh, they said, had sought um, to have conversations with, with Bryony Frost to try and uh, resolve the matter. Yeah, Lee, perhaps the more interesting part of this is is the working rather than the result, isn't it? And exactly. that's what I discussed earlier in the week with Lydia. Yes. And what the BHA are now going to do in terms of trying to modify the appeals process. Yeah, and like Lydia, um, Nick, I sat through the appeal board hearing and it was one of the most lamentable, depressing, in some ways disgraceful um, events of its kind um, I can ever recall. I think if you put to one side the the decision that the appeal board reached, which I think was was questionable, but the appeal board was entitled to to reach whatever decision it, it, it wanted. I thought the tone and the conduct of the hearing felt like you were going back fifty, sixty years. Um, I thought the it, it felt as I wrote in the Racing Post, it felt like a scene at times from a London Gentleman Members Club, um, and I think that was enormously regrettable. Um, I have no doubt the BHA thought exactly the same. Um, in the BHA's response, it talks about having now a need for a, a proper review of the appeal board. They'd already been looking at that beforehand. That will now be accelerated. They'll speak to Brian Barker, chair of the judicial panel, to, to look at this appeal board, to look at its diversity as well. Um, I believe that everybody on that appeal board that, that could possibly sit at the moment are all men. Um, I think there are enormous issues with that appeal board that need to be looked at. At the moment, I don't think it's fit for purpose. And I think if there is one benefit from what, what happened in that appeal board hearing is that because it was witnessed by the media and was widely reported, yeah. there is now a huge momentum behind change. And I think that change will have to happen. Okay, let's talk about the uh, cutbacks in the Shadwell operation, which we knew about, but we weren't entirely sure as to how these would be uh, executed. Yeah. Obviously, there was going to be a need to cut back on trainers because there's a massive cutback on I'm a massive cutback yeah. on horses. But one or two of the big names that have fallen by the wayside have surprised a few people, no more than Sir Michael Stout, as we were saying earlier. But interesting, I'd, I'd like to have been a fly on the wall in that conversation, saying, right, yeah. who's, who's, who's going here? Uh, yeah, Stout, I mean... Yeah, absolutely. One and of the greatest trainers of all time. Yes, and of course this 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 was this raised itself when one of the horses that Sir Michael Stout had trained mm. for Shadwell last year, uh, Morgan, um, was a really impressive winner of the maiden novice at, at Newbury um, on uh, on Saturday last week. And after that, Angus Gold um, made reference to the fact the horse now with Marcus Tregoning had been with Sir Michael Stout. 
the explanation that was given this week when they confirmed the list of trainers on the on the roster, which of course would have been available anyway through horses in training, um, is that um, they had to they wanted and they needed to make a leaner operation. Now it's leaner in the sense that there are fewer horses racing in those famous blue and white silks. Not immediately necessarily as obvious why you need to have that many fewer trainers to make a, a leaner operation if you have fewer horses, but they're thinking please that they, they need to go down that line. Um, Mark and Charlie Johnston, they've lost horses. Uh, Freddie Head, um, Brian Meehan, Ed Dunlop, um, Sir Michael Stout, Dermot Wells. So some big trainers have, have lost patronage from Shadwell. In the case of Sir Michael Stout, it is more surprising than with all those, um, some of those cases, in the sense that he's he's yeah. he's Sir Michael Stout. He's Sir Michael Stout. He produced Mustachery to win the Lockinch for them in, in 2019. And as I say, he trained the horse that won the maiden at Newbury last season. So, surprise for him, surprising news. Um, but I suppose against that, the most the, the 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 great news is that that operation does continue. Yeah. You always worry when. And they've um, got some. They've got some really nice horses. As, as well. we saw at Sandown yeah. last week. Absolutely. Um, we we have spoken about uh, Josh Moore already. As you, if you've just joined us, however, uh, news that he remains stable, but he remains under sedation, and his mother Jane and his partner Phoebe are are by his side in uh, Aintree University Hospital. Yeah, and and Nick, as we were saying when when Brian was here early on. Josh was in everybody's thoughts, certainly with the thoughts of all the participants and the, and the, the media um, at Sandown yesterday. Um, you, you never need to, to tell people how dangerous a job it is to be a jockey, particularly to be a, a jump jockey. We all know that. I couldn't conceive of having mm. the bravery or the courage to do what they do. Um, and they they know. They, they, they go into it with, with eyes, wide, eyes wide open. They know the dangers but the 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 joy that the job gives them makes them makes them do it and seeing josh do it um is a is a huge pleasure because we've known that as a jockey he hasn't had the luck that he deserved i was saying earlier on that i was at sandown in february when he rode his first winner after coming back from from spinal surgery and to think that less than three months later he's in the position he is now is so incredibly sad. Um, there's not a lot, really, you can say because it's it's so obvious. And I was at say, was it Sunday yesterday where Hayley Moore was and Jamie Moore was, and you almost backed off talking to them because you know they're probably having to answer the same question to to so many people all the time, and just talking about it must be distressing. I just hope, and I'm sure they do know, um, that there is such a a yeah. groundswell of sincere support and good wishes for them. You would have that for anybody in those circumstances, but people genuinely do love the Moore family. They hold them in affection and admiration. And Josh, in many ways, symbolises what the Moors are like. Absolutely. He's a grafter with incredible work ethic, mm -hmm. but an incredibly good guy as well. And we've all got our fingers crossed. We have. Um, there's been some interesting developments that have been chronicled by your colleague Chris Cook in yes. the Racing Post this week to do with the uh, whip ban and then rescinding of it uh, in Scandinavia where the jockeys went on strike. Yeah, so Chris um, sends out an email every weekday morning, front row email to the Racing Post Members Club members that, that details um, not necessarily just the, the, a day's big news story but something that he is finding particularly interesting. 
and Chris being a man who can find interesting things everywhere um, noted that events in Scandinavia had taken an interesting twist in recent days. Now, the whip uh, in Scandinavia uh, has been treated for some time in a different way to other racing nations. The whip was already banned except for safety purposes in, in Norway. Norway yeah. In Sweden and Denmark, the rule was that you could use the whip three times um, and that was the limit. The rules have subsequently changed so that the, the new rule was that you could only use the whip for, for safety purposes. But on top of that, um, jockeys were also given instructions to how they, in effect, could use their, their reins as well. Mm. They had to keep hands on the horse's uh, mane and neck at all times, so they didn't use the reins as a form of whip. Um, oh and in Denmark, um, in recent days, a jockey was suspended, sorry, a jockey's mount was disqualified for breaking rules uh, along those lines. Um, jockeys threatened a strike over that, um, and the Scandinavian Racing Authority has pulled back from mm. that since, and they're, they're revisiting um, that whole procedure now. It does underline that it's not just that in this, this country. complex. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's complex around the racing world. The, the guy, Giles Thompson, who is uh, soon to leave Racing Victoria as chief executive, has been a, a, a rare chief executive, has been yeah. very vocal in his belief that the whip will go uh, at some point in the relatively near future. We have our own yeah. whip review group over here, Nick. Which we I do. You would know more about this I, than I would do. I will, and it's one for another day because we've run out of the two minutes. Uh, Luke, McGu <laughs> Luke, Luke McGuinness, um, uh, this is not really a laughing matter. No. Luke McGuinness has fallen foul of the um, recreational drugs uh, rules in Ireland for a third time, having been given parole effectively as well. Yeah, Nick, I, I was listening to, to Jane Mangan talking on your pod um, this week about this and almost all through what Jane was saying, I, I sort of found myself suddenly saying here, here to what she was saying because within Jane's voice, I think, was a sense of incredulity and uh, almost anger at what's taking place because Luke McGuinness has now tested positive uh, for cocaine on three separate occasions. Mm. And as Jane has said on the pod, this is all about timing because... The third test in December uh, came a matter of days yeah. after he'd come back from his second positive test and he came back early after his second positive test because people like Jennifer Pugh, the senior Irish racing doctor, had spoken up on his behalf and had seen him make considerable progress. So whilst clearly um, anyone who has um, addiction issues is deserving of tremendous sympathy... I think there also has to be a real sense of frustration that given people had stood up for Luke McGuinness and um, pleaded his case to come back from what had been a six-year ban after, in effect, two years, to have broken the rules again within five days yeah. is, well, it, it's, it is what it, it is. What it is. It, it's enormously disappointing. What I would say is the testing is working well in Ireland. And that given, is a good thing. Given the, yeah. given the, I mean, it's not a good thing that they've had a raft of positives this week, but it's across the a breadth, professionals, conditionals, amateurs, point-to-points, and rules racing. Yeah. So it is being robustly regulated, even mm. if there are yes. significant underlying issues. Yeah, clearly... In one respect, it's a bad week mm. for Irish racing that so many jockeys tested positive. But as you say, if people are doing it, you want yeah, to catch well, them. Exactly, for the safety of everyone, really. Of course. We're not being pur Puritans particularly here. And that's exactly it. Yeah. It's a safety issue. Yeah. Um, 
changes to the Melbourne Cup. We're talking about safety issues. Yeah. Now, this is interesting. I was watching Jamie Steer being um, interviewed on Racing.com. Yeah, me too. Uh, they've given with one hand and taken away with the other slightly in terms of how hard it is to get European horses to the Melbourne Cup carnival now. Yeah, and I think the, the big headline-grabbing thing was this scintigraphy scan, mm. um, this really intense scan that had caused such furore among international trainers um, last year and greatly impacted on the number of international trainers uh, sending horses out to the Melbourne Spring Carnival. Um, Joseph O'Brien, who won the Cox Plate with State of Rest, had said that that horse had to be sedated four times in the process of the, uh, the scan week and the process of the, 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 the tests that were taking place. Racing Victoria, who have wanted to reduce the number of internationals going to Victoria because they, they pegged the number that can go out there, but they have wanted more than went out last year. They have looked at it. They have now made the scintigraphy scan a targeted scan as opposed to a mandatory scan. Mm -hmm. So only if Racing Victoria vets feel that a horse should receive that scan, will that scan take place. But they've actually increased the, 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 the examination procedures around, around horses coming in there. They've done something else as well to try and close one loophole whereby horses that were going into a separate uh, quarantine centre didn't have to be, didn't have to go through the same procedures they, they now will do. Racing Victoria's Great Hope and the racing clubs that run Flemington, Mooney Valley and Caulfield want more international horses than we had last year going out yeah. there. I think we shouldn't forget, Nick, that although there was real anger among international trainers and owners over here, the Melbourne Cup has been in a state of jeopardy. Um, I, it's my favourite city in the world, Nick. I, I love going out there. I've been out to quite a few now. And I've noted from one year to the next that the antis, if you like, the people really questioning whether this race should take place... Are intensifying. ...growing every yeah. year. And you can't hide away from the fact that after the 2020 running, in which we very sadly lost Anthony van Dyke, there were 42 consecutive runnings in which no local horse had been killed in the Melbourne Cup. In the space of eight runnings, six international horses had been killed in the Melbourne Cup, four of them European, with a number dying at the Werribee Training Centre as well. I think they had to do something... Um, because they have to, they have to preserve the race. They probably went too far last year. Hopefully, they've got a um, a better system now. But we can't hide away from the fact that there was a reason why yeah. they did have to do something. And finally, tonight, <laughs> are you wearing white trainers? If so, you may not gain entrance to the Premier Enclosure at Sandown. I jest, of course, because uh, the Jockey Club has fairly swiftly issued a, a release saying that um, the refusal of admission to two women who were wearing very smart white trainers yesterday to the enclosure will be looked at and they may completely kind of change their, their policy and make yeah. it more of a style guide than a dress code. Yes. In which case, great. Yes. Um, well, my colleague Paul Keeley, uh, um, who is a great fashion example in himself, suave and sophisticated, he had noted himself at the gate <laughs> that um, these two ladies were wearing white trainers and had initially been refused entry and Paul expressed his... Um, real disappointment on social media and that disappointment was echoed by many others and I can absolutely understand why. I think on the one hand you can say look Sandown has a dress code it's listed on its website what the dress code is mm. and it does specifically say no trainers against that I think there's a wider Not that, Do that many people actually look on a race course website before they go racing? Of course though? they don't No. Uh, I think there's a wider point too, Nick, of that racing probably does have to look at dress codes in general. Um, you can argue there's a, there's a need for dress codes in certain circumstances. You know, the Royal Enclosure at Royal Ascot. Um, 
But I think generally speaking, most people, if they're paying top whack to go into a race course, they know that they probably should be wearing smart dress and they probably want to be wearing smart dress. It's a, it's a going racing in the, in the best enclosures is generally a chance to wear your best clobber. Then, to it, look then, it, then, it, then it begets the question, should we have one enclosure everywhere apart from, say, at Royal Ascot well, and the maybe, Derby? Nick, but I think it begets another question in that I think what some people in racing perceive to be smart dress Isn't hasn't kept up with no. what... You look on the red carpet at the BAFTAs or mm. the Oscars. Again, I'm not a, I'm not a great follower of fashion, as you can see. But I like that time. You're very sweet. But if you look on the red carpet, you will see uh, men wearing smart suits and a pair of trainers. Mm -hmm. Women wearing smart dresses and a pair of trainers. Yeah. Trainers seem to be uh, the in thing at the moment with, with your smart garments. I'm not necessarily sure <laughs> that everyone in racing has caught up with this. So I think, I think the people that were turned away at Sandown probably would have said to themselves, I'm incredibly smart today. And they were incredibly smart today, but they were wearing the wrong sort of footwear. That seems a shame. And I think also as well, I think sometimes we have in the back of our minds this view mm. that what you're wearing dictates how you are likely to behave. Yeah. We all know that race courses, as with other sporting events, have had problems in recent years with crowd, bad crowd behaviour, with increased uh, alcohol fuel bad behaviour yeah. and increased use of drugs. Drugs, yeah. The people who are doing that are generally dressed in their best suits, looking immaculate, like they could be going to a job in the city. Yeah. What you wear does not dictate how you behave. And I no. think sometimes we need to I, come off our high horse and just remember that we are in an entertainment but I, venue. But I, I did see a guy yesterday and he bowled his brass wearing a very smart suit right in front of me, straight in. Bang, went the drugs into the honesty box and in he walked. Tremendous. Pass the sniffer dogs. All, all system all working well. But he was beautifully dressed and he went to the, and he went to the, uh, to, to the Premier Enclosure um, and he told me he was bang up for a five-day feather as well. Right. Uh, that's it for this week's Talking Points.